0: So I don't know about you, but when I start to read a new book, it's like coming into a new relationship with a person. And I'm just now starting up a new relationship with a book by Elizabeth Lowry called The Chosen. I say new relationship, I've actually read it before, but there was a gap and an interval of time which passed. And now I wish to read it again, which I think you have to do with a good book because there are so many layers, creases and folds in the writing. You don't always see the first time. It's a story of Thomas Hardy and his wife, Emma Hardy, after she dies. Most of the action takes place posthumously to Emma. Emma is no longer with us. And the moment I've found this morning as I start up my relationship again with this book is the moment when Thomas Hardy, the famous novelist and poet, discovers his wife Emma's memoir. He's about to turn away from the desk when he has an impulse to try the drawer. It won't open. He assumes it must be locked and nearly loses his footing as it jerks in his grip. The drawer isn't locked. It's merely caught, disclosing a margin of darkness. He slides his fingers into the gap. In its shadowy recess, they meet with something cool and dry. After some twisting and prodding, the darkness gives way to light, and he finds himself in possession of a good, strong exercise book, of the kind sold in town, at Longman's. Longman's, that word, very familiar, seems to transcend time and space. We had Longman's exercise books around when I was a child in our local newsagent stationers. Longman's, a familiar word. I think when we read, when we start to read a new book, build our new relationship, we look for words which remind us of other times and places. Longman's. The book is bent at the edges, as if it has recently been rolled up. The cover flips back to reveal Emma's breakneck script, with the fatly looped F's, the Y's like crochet hooks. Not poetry this time, but prose. I think possibly some people may like to know what my early life was like, and to have some account of my family, What I did with myself when I was young, how I looked, and how I met my husband. There's a heading underlined Some recollections. No date. He flicks through the pages, they are all filled. It's a memoir. Is Elizabeth Lowry's The Chosen and I'm reminded as I read it of my own book on the diary. I think I was also drawn to the texture of notebooks and the event of opening a notebook or a diary written by somebody else, with somebody else's life, with somebody else's headings underlined, some recollections, no date, He flicks through the pages. They are all filled. It's a memoir. Emma. Emma has been, she was, writing about her youth. After the first shock of surprise, he realises that he's both moved and oddly excited. He bows his damp head, his heart jumping. Balancing the book lightly in his hands. What I enjoy about this passage is the way that the book itself becomes the thing, the subject. The source of interest, the character itself. And when I read it the first time and then the second time, I had to really focus on who the he was and who the she was and their running to and fro... Second, fourth, the man who reads, the husband, Thomas Hardy, and the woman who writes, Emma Hardy. And then the other writer, that other she, the presence of the author, I suppose, Elizabeth Lowry, or whoever Elizabeth Lowry is when she writes, this is her writing. Apart from the juddering rain, no sound penetrates the deep silence of the eaves. The house might be asleep, bewitched. He starts to read, slowly at first, and then with the lurching sensation that he's taken hold of something over which he has no control. Pictures come and go, raised by Emma's words. In his absorption, he's not sure if they are her memories or visions. A rose-covered house by the bay with a drip stone, under which a bucket receives the slow-falling water, drop by drop. I think that beautifully describes the way that when we read, we start to process pictures in our mind, to process words as pictures, as pictorial events. A child walking on glassy rocks, her shoes and stockings off, while an older girl dodges the foam, jingling two pennies in her cupped palms. Hurry up, Em, there won't be any left if you don't hurry up. A marble-streeted town, its harbour thronged with ships, its bandsmen booming a throbbing waltz in the sun. They buy buns still hot from the baker's oven and eat them, leaning against the rail, as the day broadens in slow blue strokes. Before them is the sea. A froth of silver. Elizabeth Lowry is a painter. I think she paints words. This is also partly word painting, and I'm appreciating the strokes as they graze across my pictorial mind, the mind that wants to settle a relationship with words and build pictures from colour. And from light. And what I enjoy about this passage, Thomas Hardy, the character here reading his wife's memoir, is the way in which the he, the writer, the male, Thomas Hardy, the famous writer and poet, somehow merges with the presence of his dead wife, who is also unexpectedly a writer. And so you're never sure whose words these are and whose pictures are being made and curated in the mind of us, the reader, as we read and follow through this picture gallery of sights and sounds. The experience of words opening up into action, bodies moving through space like this. In the royal baths, The stale passages echo with the high, clear voice of the attendant carrying dry towels, herding the giggling bathers into dressing rooms which open on the opposite side. And there is the sea again, up close now, a great mystery that deepens at its centre. Down they go, along the steps descending from the cubicles, gripping the short ropes launching themselves onto the cork floats into the pool of shouting, laughing female bodies into coolness, freshness and saltness. Ness, ness, the sound of the sea. I enjoy the way that the writer here plays with the sounds of words and the movement of the body through space down they go along the steps descending from the cubicles gripping the short ropes launching themselves onto the cork floats the rhyme, the internal rhyme helps keep the sounds close Pressed close to us, as we build and build towards that pool of shouting, laughing female bodies as they descend into the s coolness, freshness, and saltness of the sea, and I am reminded of that opening statement. About the book, the book, Emma's book, Emma's memoir, Emma Hardy's words. The cover flips back to reveal Emma's breakneck script with the fatly looped F's, the Y's like crochet hooks. Not poetry this time, but prose. Not poetry, not poetry. prose. I'm not so sure those two categories are quite so distinct in this writer's imagination. And there is this one moment in Elizabeth Lowry's novel, The Chosen, which I enjoy very much as a writer. It's in the same passage I've just read to you. It's a moment of girlhood. Two sisters, Emma and her sister who are sitting together, sitting together and speculating about the future of their husbands. She hiccups. She hiccups. Oh, you are vile, Emma. Really, you are. No well-bred man will ever marry you. She hiccups that she prefers novels and writing to husbands. How lonely it is among the mushrooms and lilies, how dull. One day, a gypsy comes to the door. The gypsy insists on telling her fortune, hers and her sisters, asks for two eggs, two eggs, two tumblers of water. They each break an egg into the water, the white only, and watch the form it takes, and watch the form. It takes Her sister begins the charm eagerly A church with a tower arises A pointed steeple Her sister will marry A clergyman Her own egg makes a very large Ink bottle And an immense Quill pen Stretching across the water Her own egg Makes a very large Ink bottle and an immense quill pen stretching across the water. A beautiful image, I think, by the writer Elizabeth Lowry of how the mind produces its own images, like an egg white running across a stretch of water, an egg white forming a shape within a tumbler of water, Where will it go, that egg white? What shape will it take? How will it look? Where will it go? That's why we write. To watch the unexpected shapes form in our mind. And I would say there's no difference between poetry and prose. They all watch images grow both poetry and prose. Thank you for listening to A Reading Life, A Writing Life with writer and teacher Sally Bailey. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please like it, give us a review or mention us to friends or on social media. Thank you.